Amen. Amen. Yesterday we had the celebration, the feast. It was very good, yes. I think the food was worth the money. I mean, I mean, it wasn't exactly like the tastiest food, but, but I mean, it was still not bad for the price we paid. And did you enjoy it? Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, that was paid for by the church. So don't give thanks to me, give thanks to the church. And then about these fruits, these fruits were organized by who? Uh, Deacon Peck is the one who paid for the fruit. Okay, because the stage has gotten bigger, uh, it looks empty, and yet even though it's the same amount of fruit, and uh, Elder Moran uh, Mulan got the flowers, did the flowers for this for the stage. Okay, I didn't know that Elder Mulan was such a great dancer as I saw her dancing in 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 in, in, in Panama. So anyways, we have much fruit up here and this abundance. This abundance is a symbol symbol of your willingness to give to God. Amen. And so let's give all glory to God. And thanks for the, those who sacrificed for this. So anyways, this is a sermon that you have heard very often. But as I was praying, I asked God, what, where should I preach from? And he told me to speak of fruit. And as Sona was talking about earlier, as Sona was talking about earlier, right, it, it is the last days. We are in the last days. And so, above all else, we are in a time where we, where God will ask us a fruit. So as we live with God in that relationship with Him, when we have right relationship with Him, there are a couple things that He guarantees. And it's not because I'm a pastor, but even as a lay member, that when I go before the Lord, that are you considering what fruit you will be bringing? This is um, eschatological faith that when I die and I go before the Lord, and when I come before the Lord, what fruit will I bring? Will I truly be able to stand in glory? This is a question that you should be constantly asking yourselves. If you are not reflecting on this, then I'm sorry, but it means you are influenced by the world. If you have a right relationship with God, then you will be continually concerned about these things. And so examine yourselves right now. Let's say that the Lord is to return right now. What fruit would you have to offer? There's no need to underestimate yourself and there's no need to over, un, overestimate yourself. But let's be cold right now and calculated. As it says in 2 Corinthians, to check yourselves to see if you are in the faith. And so objectively, examine yourselves. Because honestly, none of you go out evangelizing. And so I don't think any of you would have rewards for, for that kind of harvest. 
Right? No one is here because they've been evangelized to. You are all here because God has called you, right? None of you are here who originally lived in this neighborhood. You've all came from all different places hearing about this church gathering in this place. How many of you are originally from Shiwa? Also, Chang Eun And also, Elder Lee Young Mi. The rest have all come from different places. Right from Kohung, Gwangju. Where are you from? Ansan. Ansan is still kind of close. Or oh, from China. From Tejon. Where are you from? Are you also Xiong? Okay, what about you? Pundang, you came all the way here from Pundang. And so there's not that many people at our church who are here because of evangelism. And so this is beautiful from the perspective of God's calling, but it also is a little depressing because it means none of us have evangelized. Does that mean that we do not need to evangelize? No, we do need. But if you receive the word of God, you would have the passion to preach his word, to, to go out. You don't need to do evangelism like in a program where using sweet potato or using various ways. No, rather, if you have the word of God inside of you, it would burst forth from within you. And so as you are hearing this word that is transforming the world, are you being filled with this passion? All of a sudden, it's getting really quiet in here. And so we cannot say which reward is going to be greater. But Zephaniah chapter 3 clearly says that praise and honor will be our reward. That the king of all heavens, that the praise and honor that he will give us before the heavenly hosts will be glorious beyond measure. And so that's, the, that's what's waiting for us, this crown. And as it says in Zechariah chapter 6, that Zechariah is the symbolism of God's praise and honor for us. And so we're receiving that praise and honor. And amongst that honor, it, a portion of that is the joy that comes from evangelizing, the joy that comes from preaching the gospel. What other fruit might there be, though? Right, we'll talk about much fruit, but fruit regarding your character. Also, maybe your fruit in terms of in terms of your ministry, the fruits of the offering you have given to God, the sacrifices you have made to God. So there are much fruit. And in that fruit, let's say God is to come today, would you truly be able to offer this fruit? This is something that you need to continually think about. Don't put it off. Don't put it off to next year. There is no longer the time to do that. 
And so we really need to stand firm that, Lord, I want to give fruit, that tomorrow I'm going to go out and evangelize, or like Deacon Park, be um, a keynote speaker. And so much fruit is it's time for us to offer much fruit. Amen? And so in a religious church, salvation, the goal of salvation was to go to heaven, right? In religious churches. Even these brothers put much importance on evangelizing. Of course, they're they're looking at it from a different perspective, from a wrong um, motivation. And yet, yet they have this clear motivation to evangelize because of the glory of the gospel. So this is something that we need to think deeply upon, dwell deeply upon, and see that in this world, that's the most amazing thing that when we look at the church of Yerbang Church, there is this amazing gospel being proclaimed, and so the devil is surprised that this glorious word is being proclaimed, and yet no one is going out evangelizing. And so you say to yourselves, right, that our church has the truth, and that's something that you all acknowledge. You all acknowledge that you have the truth. And so though you are hearing that gospel and yet are unable to reach out to people, not even strangers, your own your own church member, your own family members, I'm not telling you to bring them to our church. What I'm saying is proclaiming the gospel to your family. And so and so that joy that comes with salvation, that in itself would probably be a reward. And so, brother, how many how many have you brought up to salvation? And so we begin in this cold, frigid atmosphere. Amen. We begin that way and then we build ourselves up to heat. Anyways, before we begin today's word, this is something that you really need to think about. You need to consider. And so that you are in a state of, uh, for lack of a better word, anxiety. That when God asks to you, where is your fruit? Will you be able to offer? So that's something that you should check in yourselves. Really being objective and understanding that, that you got to look at this. So don't just enjoy for yourselves the glory of this worship because who knows what God will ask of you at that at the end. At all times, as I claim, that when the glory of God comes, you cannot stay still. That glory will radiate from within you. Why do you think for the past 34 years I've been going out all over the world? Because ever since I received the gospel, I could not hold this glory in. I had to go forward. I had to move. But this doesn't apply only to me. Anyone who receives the glory of the gospel, that glory will radiate. And so that fruit, that fruit, and so let us think seriously and objectively on this fruit because the time is nigh, my brothers. 
We do not want to be stripped bare before the Lord, do we, right? We want to stand before Him in glory. Standing before Him in glory means that you will be focused on your fruit. Now, of course, living a holy life in itself is fruit. But when God pours out His glory, He pours out that nutrient that provides for that fruit. And this cannot be my righteousness, but I always say that even I'm ready to go even today. I'm ready. When God is calls, I'm ready. And I, going beyond that, I do not desire to live for a long time on this earth. This should not be my own confession. It should be all of your confession as well. Because this world is getting darker and darker and is becoming a place that is not worthy of righteousness. And so are you going to stay in that world for as long as possible? Now, of course, we are not in control of that. But, but, but we must desire. It's about what you desire, my brothers. That's what I'm asking you. And what is should be our only hope is, Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. Isn't that our confession? But, and yet there are many people who pray, Lord, don't come today. Please don't come today. No, our confession should be, Lord, come. Jesus, come. All the ch- saints of the early church, that was their confession, right? Maranatha. Lord, come quickly. Come quickly. Maranatha. That is the common factor in holy churches. And so, brothers, once again, I ask you, even now, are you saying Maranatha? Are you saying Maranatha because of that glory, because of that overflowing glory? It's not, oh, hurry up and come because I'm suffering, oh, because I'm having such a hard shot. No, but because of glory, because of glory, because you desire to see his face. And going beyond that, thinking about the honor and the glory that you're going to receive from the Lord, then of course you should desire to go more and more closer to God. And so don't just enjoy from a selfish standpoint this worship. In this worship, if you meet with God, then whatever, however it may manifest, in this worship, if you have met with God, then in that worship, God is pouring out fruit. God is pouring out rewards. And so you should have that fruit. So think about if you were in worship for 40 years, how much fruit should you have stored up? And so today, in today's worship, Lord, he, he will give you anointing. He will give you holiness. He will give you material authority. And so with these things, as you receive it, as you live out your week, it should bear fruit. Amen? And so from this perspective, this cycle of worship, receiving all the rewards from God, and through that being strengthened to bear fruit, after meeting with God in that worship, throughout that week, you bear that fruit, right? That is Christianity. And so if you do not have fruit, then then my brothers, now of course, now, of course, as a community, we have much fruit. Right? For the past 20 years, we've been serving the world from this small church, serving in ways that go beyond all um, imagination. And so from the perspective of the church, you have this great reward, but that alone should not satisfy you. You should also have your individual fruit, right? Is your character being transformed? 
Are you being made holy? Are you becoming more and more like Christ? So these are things that we should think about. Do not despair, my brothers. I am not telling you to, to despair. You have reward, even if you do not have an individual reward, you have reward as a church. Amen? But, and when we go to heaven, in heaven, we will see many people who are evidence of that fruit, right? Many white-skinned people, dark-skinned people, red-skinned people will come to you and say, it's because of your service that I am here. This is what will, will be clear. So when we think about that, we are grateful, amen? But now, my brothers, what I'm trying to draw your attention to is not just the reward in the community perspective, but at the individual level, amen? And so I'm not saying this because it's Thanksgiving, but rather I'm saying this because no one can deny that we are living in the end times. Really, the, the, the time is nigh. And so right now, I'm focused on this war that's going on in Israel. Not because of the war itself, but let's see what happens at the end of that war. If a two-state solution happens, then already that schedule is moving up. But if the result ends in some kind of unclear uh, conclusion, then there will be war again later. But if the two-state solution happens, this is fulfillment of Zechariah, meaning that the schedule is very, very imminent. Zechariah, Isaiah, all of those things are going to manifest if a two-state solution happens. And so I am um, anxious to see what is going to happen, come of this war. So dependent upon the result will determine our way forward. And so if there is a two-state solution, there's no reason for us to go overseas anymore. You know, we just pray for holiness and, 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 and stay inside. But, and so that's why I'm, I'm, I am very um, observant of what's going on. And so, so in this sense, I say be anxious, but anxious not from perspective of fear, but this, this fear and trembling to live in holiness. Amen? So we must be vigilant. Like the five wise virgins who had the oil prepared, right? This is your spiritual level, your spiritual energy, the ability to last through the night. And so, though we begin with this cold shoulder uh, in this Thanksgiving through today's sermon, let us see it from a different perspective. Amen. And so, today's title is, Now is the Time to Give Much Fruit. It is the secret or the reason to bear much fruit. And so let us see why we were unable to bear fruit. And also let's see the secret to bearing much fruit. Because, and so let us see why we were unable to have fruit and also how to have more fruit. Amen? Because bearing fruit isn't about your lack of effort. Remember, that's not what I'm talking about. We do not live out of our effort. Let's get rid of that legalistic mindset. And so let's see. Let's see. Amen. And so first, from verses 1 through 3. 
Let us see the relationship between God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and ourselves. And the, this is the first reason why we do not bear fruit, because we do not have right relationship. And this isn't just regarding fruit, but actually this is the basic root of all things in our Christianity. It's never about what I've done, what I have. No, it's about who I am. The Bible without this existentialism, you cannot unravel the meaning of the Bible. Why are you able to live that way? Because that is who you are. And so it's about who you are. And so in order to receive that identity, you have to have that relationship. And the same thing applies to fruit. It's about that relationship. Why are you unable to bear fruit? Because you do not have a right relationship with God. Amen? And so if you want to have a right relationship with God, look, in Yerbang Church, as I always say, is there anyone who can touch holy things and not die? It's because you do not have a relationship with God. Because you do not have a relationship with God, you do not have a relationship in the church. And so this church, Ecclesia, it is holiness. It is a holy place with a gathering of holy people. And so without that holiness, you cannot survive when you come to this to this place with great presence of God. So that's something that you need to always see that what is being determined in this worship is whether you live and die. And so in your worship, you can die, you can live. And so if you continually die in the worship, then you will leave the church. And so about 90%, 90% are now within the church. And so now, truly, brothers, all of you have this holy relationship with God being able to offer fruit. That is the season that is upon us. Amen? And for 20 years, you have... Receive much service. Amen. God above all else wants fruit from you. Because he has, because he wants to reward you for the great sacrifice that you have done. And so he wants to give you this reward. And so how pitiable would it be from his perspective when we are unable to offer fruit and so once again I say that we need to have this relationship and so let's examine this relationship verse 1 I am the true vine and so our Lord Jesus Christ is the true vine he's not just any vine but the true vine meaning he is the choice vine as it says in Isaiah that God has planted his choice vine and so if we want to bear fruit what do we need to be we need to be part of that true True vine. Songsan. So we need to be that sweet choice grape, right? Grape. So when we are attached to that true vine, it's obvious that we bear choice fruit. It's not just any fruit, but choice fruit. The best tasting, selected fruit. So as I always say, when you have a relationship with God, God's not looking for second best or third best. He's always giving you the best. He's always coming to you with the best. 
right? God has given you the best things, right? He has given you the best words, the best prayer. Is there anyone who could deny that? Maybe some of you can, but because you refuse to receive. But when we receive, what are we receiving? We're receiving the best, amen? It doesn't matter how excellent your, high pastor, your head pastor is. I'm not trying to be falsely modest. You know, you see this head pastor, he's only IQ 89. And in Panama, Uh, one of the elder ladies was there asking to learn to speak simple phrases in Spanish. And so uh, when they give something and saying thank you, how do I respond to thank you? When you respond to thank you, I say de nada. And, 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 so, the, and so she forgot that word and she was asking, how do I say you're welcome again? And they said de nada. And no, no, not that word, but a different word. And then it's like, no, it's de nada. And she's like, no, no, not de nada, the word. The word for you're welcome. And she kept saying, and because she couldn't remember that word and she kept saying something else, even though they were saying de nada. And then what she said is, is like, and so finally when it got through to her head that, that that's the word, she said, this is what happened to me because I I've been living with a pastor who only has IQ 89 for so many years. <laughs> but really, really, I'm not trying to be falsely modest. God is giving you the best. Um, I know that many times I'm, I'm punishing you and scolding you, but when I go overseas, I, I brag about you because only you because many pastors out there do not equal uh, a saint at our church who's been here for a year, right? Because because many of these pastors don't even know where Micah is, cannot find Micah in the Bible. But anyways, and so God is the true vine, right? Our Lord Jesus Christ is the true vine. And so let us be attached. Amen. So he, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And then in verse two, we see that we are the branch. And as branches, we must bear fruit, right? The branches bear fruit. And so look at this relationship carefully. So we have the vine dresser. The vine dresser, in order to gain fruit, he gives water to the vine, he treats the vine, he gives the vine good nutrients. And as this true vine receives that nutrients, he absorbs it and he sends it forth to the branches. And so the branches will naturally, automatically bear fruit. And so is this dependent on your effort? No, not at all. It's about our relationship to the Trinity God. So I call this the relationship of life, the fellowship of life. So the vine dresser gives life to the vine. And as that vine absorbs that life and sends it forth to the branches, the branches bear fruit and the vine dresser enjoys the harvest. And so this is how important it is to offer this fruit of life. 
God's kingdom being expanded is happens because of this relationship. And that's why I call it the force of life, right? The power of life. And as we see many uh, descriptions of this force in, in the Gospel of John, it talks about light and the word. And so without this relationship, you got to see, you got to see that you cannot bear fruit. And so at the individual level, if God's life is inside of you and you're receiving that life, then that life will automatically bear fruit inside of you. And that fruit will be life, will provide life to expand his kingdom. And so, look, in this relationship, it's all about relationship of life, even in with amongst ourselves as members of a church. So in the kingdom of heaven, in the church of God, there is no meaning if we do not have this relationship of life. And so let's go back. Why do you not have fruit? Because there's a problem with this life. And so does that mean the problem is with the vine dresser? No. No, God is working hard to send forth that life into the vine. Giving nutrients. Now is there a problem with the vine then? No, there's no problem with the vine. Because this vine absorbs the nutrients as the vine dresser gives. Then where is the problem? The problem is with the branches. The branch is failing to receive those nutrients, whether it's uh, because of a parasite or because it's been snapped and so it's not properly attached to the vine. And so because of this relationship, they're unable to bear fruit. So we talk about being in the Sabbath rest. And so we do not need to make effort to bear fruit. And that's why we say it's grace. And yet many people, instead of having this relationship of grace, they keep trying in legalism, in religion, in their own strength, trying to achieve something. That is what's causing this problem in your Christian life. There's nothing easier than Christianity. That's why I always say this is the easiest thing. All I have to do is be attached to God. That as long as I have this relationship, then then he is the vine dresser that, and he dresses the vine and the vine sends forth into the branches. And so remember that I am the branch and if you have that confidence, then you will bear fruit every day. You will bear so much fruit. You cannot not bear fruit. You cannot fail to bear fruit. You will see change all the time. Yesterday, you would have fallen into despair with this situation, but you don't fall into despair anymore. In the past, you would have gotten angry and enraged, but now you are meek. And so these kinds of fruit, you are being, you are being born throughout each day. And so you will be able to see, there, the season will come where you'll be able to see it yourself. And uh, now, Remember when we look at the parable of the of the fields of the sower in the field we see that the reason why we're unable to bear fruit is because of the field right the type of field we have some of us have this rocky soil right they're unable to receive the word at all because they fail to receive life they are dying now they think that they are hearing the word of god but they're unable to hear it because they're unable to hear it they are dying that is the road not the stony sorry that's the road right that's the road and then the stony field right there it takes root but 
But when pain and persecution comes, they fall. What's the third kind of soil? The thorny soil. Because there are two seeds being planted in one field. And so when going back to the vine, the branch should receive the nutrients, but because there are other branches coming out, it steals. And so you, this is the season that is upon us. We must be aware of who we are, why we're unable to bear fruit. Is it because I'm the stone, the stone road that, that there is no reception of the word at all? This is really important, my brothers. Okay, listen carefully. So worship, as I always emphasize, is very important to us because the victory and the nutrients to bear fruit throughout that week is all being poured out in this worship. So if you are not victorious in this worship, you can you do not have the wherewithal to be victorious throughout the week. And because you spend all your time and your strength in the world throughout the week, you cannot be victorious in worship. And because you cannot be victorious in worship, you are caught in this vicious cycle. And so when I was a lay member, I purposely would not allow this vicious cycle to enter into my life. For example, it would be like this. While I was a lay member, I would fast from Monday to Friday because so that I could stay focused on God and then eat Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday to Friday, uh, fast again. Now, of course, this was my training time. And so in those circumstances, God was leading me. But anyways, even now, the same thing, same principle applies. If my relationship with God is broken and I'm unable to loosen and unravel it in prayer, I will not tolerate it. I will not leave it alone. Because I'm a pastor, you would think that it's easy for me. But I'm, what I'm telling you right now is that it's not because I was a pastor that I did this. I did it when I was a lay member. And so if you have received that promise and you are that, that or no, sorry, not the promise. If you have entered into that vicious cycle, then you got to do something. You got to do something because the devil is not going to let you go easily. And so if you are hooked by this vicious cycle, every week living by your thoughts, living in your darkness, constantly unable to worship, unable to pray, then all, you, then all that's left is to die. And so don't just leave it alone. As I always say, if you're unable to pray, do not treat this lightly. This did not come all of a sudden, but rather it's the result of choices that you've made throughout your life, choosing the sarks. And as that sarks has grown, it has grown to take over your ability to pray in the new self. So you need to see that you are not simply just not praying, but when you do not pray, you are growing in the flesh. And so if you keep tolerating it, now you may still come to church, you may come to worship, but it just becomes religion. And yet your focus is on the world. Uh, 
Okay, I switched to a new cell phone and every Sunday it gives me a report of how much screen time I had throughout that week. And so throughout that week it gives me a, uh, it gives me a report of how much time I spent on the phone and it breaks it down by app. And so this week I spent the most time on the Kakao Talk, speaking with my wife, right? So I spent a lot of time on Kakao Talk. And I had an average time of three hours throughout this week. This is actually a miracle. Usually, it's, usually my average is about an hour and a half. But this week, the average was three hours. And so I was surprised. I was like, what? why did I spend so much time on the cell phone? And then I looked and it was on Kakao Talk. But And so let's say you get more interested in this thing. And so look at your, your average time. When I see that the statistic is six hours, that means most people are on their phone for 10 hours. So if you cannot pray for two hours and yet you are on the phone for 10 hours, that's a problem. And so this relationship, this relationship, do you have this relationship of life? And are you in that flow of life? If that life has been cut off, if there's a problem there, do not compromise, do not tolerate it. And as you live in the Holy Spirit, this is not something that's difficult. This doesn't require some great uh, dedication. No. Just every morning, just as you are hungry, you eat breakfast in the same way when you live with the Holy Spirit. You will not compromise with darkness flowing into you. And so ultimately, what does this mean? This is evidence that because you are not living in the Holy Spirit, you are not living in the Word. I'm not giving some high standard. No, I'm speaking what is what a saint ought to do. Someone who has been saved, what they ought to do. For the past 25 years in my preaching, I am not giving some deep, super high spiritual level time. No. It's all basics. Basics, principles that live in the Holy Spirit. If you are born again, this is how you will live. That's all I've been preaching is the basics. Now this may bring you to more despair and yet this is the truth. This is the truth. When you receive the Holy Spirit, that's how you live. I never once asked you to make your effort. No, live in grace. If you receive the glory of the word then that's how you would live right martyrdom is just basic right look at the early church martyrdom was just basics because when you receive salvation you are calling Jesus Christ Lord and so that means Caesar is no longer your Lord and so even martyrdom is just a basic aspect of Christian life and so for the past 25 years Everything that I've proclaimed to you from this altar is just basics. It is just principles. And so do not, do not let this draw, uh, do not let this escape you. Okay, if this word passes you by, instead of saying, pastor is demanding much, no, rather you should question, am I truly saved? How can someone who has the Holy Spirit not pray? How will someone who has the Holy Spirit remain in darkness, growing in that darkness? That means that you do not have that relationship of life. So I am not asking some great high standard from you. I am not demanding of you. But rather, if you have the Holy Spirit, this is how you ought to live. This is how you will live. 
I am not demanding much things of you. Rather, if you receive the Holy Spirit, all I'm preaching is what the mechanism happens inside of you. But I'm not telling you that this is how you have to do it. Rather, the Holy Spirit will move inside of you to do it. So as you've been with me for these past 25 years, this is what you should confess, that living with God is easy. That is your. That should be your confession. Now there are many people who are who, who this is happening. They are saying that living with God is the easiest thing. So this must be our confession is that living with God is the easiest thing. Because really, what is there that's easier in this world? Is it easy to live with the devil? No, it's difficult. Living with God is the easiest. And so let's move on. And then so from verse 2, we see the branch. And so the important thing right now is the relationship of life. That do not tolerate anything that is not of this life as you live with him. Amen. And so if you are in this relationship, then everything that you do happens in that life. Your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your children, the relationship you have with the fellow members. Because I am in this life, everything that I have with everyone else is in that life. But when I don't have that life, then you lose that life everywhere else. Right? We call each other's brothers. Why are we brothers? Because we are actually brothers? No. Because first, my brotherhood is with Jesus Christ. And because I am brothers with Jesus, I am brothers with one another. Because I have this relationship of life, that relationship of life extends to everyone around me. If I am in the relationship of flesh, that flesh continues to extend to my wife, to my children. So that's why we are dying. And so look, examine your daily life. How much are you giving life or how much are you giving death? You must be aware. Amen? So we must continually head towards life. Let us continue towards life. Amen? Moving on to verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so look, the problem with the branch... Is that there are sometimes branches that do not bear fruit. What does God do to those that that do bear fruit? He prunes. Right? He prunes it. And so what is the way to uh, bear much fruit? It's to be good prune. To prune that vine very well. And so the scale of God's pruning is we can look at it from the perspective of the church all over the world. God is pruning his church. So what this means is that though they may have a sign that and a billboard that says that they are the church of God, there comes a moment where God cuts that church off. Now, in our eyes, we may see that that church is growing and growing and growing, but they have nothing to do with God. 
that God is not working in that church. I'm not saying that God does not take pity, but from the perspective of glory, God is not working in through that church. And so we must always be aware if this church is the church of God or not. This is what I talked about in Africa. That who is the church of God? And how can you find out if it's the church of God or not? Is by looking at the head pastor. And so these kinds of head pastors that are not the church of God, they are being pruned. These kinds of pastors are being pruned. And so the first thing that you can see if this church is a church of God or not, is the head pastor. Look at your head pastor. And so if you are running two jobs, then you are not a, you are not a church of God. If God is not responsible for your life, then, then you are not a pastor. So, so even though there were elders, or, 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 or not elders, bishops in front, bishops standing in the front, I said, bishops, you are first in line to hell. And yet what was amazing is none of them ran away. But anyways, and so pruning. So look at, and so if we look at the scale of pruning for worldwide, then this is God establishing His church, especially the glorious church of these end times, the church of remnant, according to the prophecy of Micah, of Joel, of of Isaiah. It's all focused on who? It's all focused on the remnant. That's where God's passion is. That's where God's heart is. That's where His spiritual nourishment lies. Secondly, is we could see the scale within the church, the pruning within the church. And I'm not talking about from the perspective of a head pastor excommunicating a member. No, I'm talking about throughout these past 25 years in Yabang Church, God has been maintaining the holiness of this church, whether you are aware or not. And so this is pruning. Even now, He is pruning. He will continue to prune. Until the end of time, He will prune. And though this breaks my heart, this must happen. This pruning must happen. That those who have to leave, have to leave. It's not for the people who are in the church. No, it's for yourself. The people who leave, they must leave for their own sake. Not for the sake of the church, but for their own sake. Because if they are going to stay here and die, there, there, there is no good that can come from that. Now, many times I give warnings and, and God gives warnings. And so look, look, if it's a church without the presence of God and there's nothing, whether they sing, whether they sing Billie Jean or they sing some pop song, it doesn't matter, right? Because there is no holiness. But in a church where God's holiness manifests and yet you do not have holiness, then, then you will be broken. You will be broken and dead. And when you are dead, you are a branch that is cut off. And if you are a branch that is cut off and you stay there, then the only thing that the only faith that's left for you is to be burned in the fire. And but God does not want that. And so sending them out, sending them out is good for them so that they can meet with God in that state where they will not be constantly being put to death. And so remember, when I preached Ephesians for the first time, I, ha- I had 80 members and 30 members left. And really, I despaired at that time. God, you showed me this glory of Ephesians and yet only th- and yet 30 people left. But now these days, no matter how much I s- how strongly I say, no one leaves. 
I speak from the principle of, of pruning. I'm not a pastor that enjoys people leaving the church. But this is the kingdom of heaven. It's pruning, pruning the church. And so if you are a branch that cannot remain on the vine, then the secret of for your life is to go out into the world. To go out. At our church, your job is not what's important. If your spirit dies, what could be important, no matter how much money you may make? If, if you are, cannot survive in your workplace, then quit. Oh, pastor, you are so cold. No, I'm speaking out of a place of love. I'm really speaking from love because I want you to be happy for eternity. Is there any pastors in the world that will speak to you in this way? Really, I'm speaking to you in this way from a place of love. Really, this is true love. I want you all to live. And so if you are not worthy of holiness, when you touch that holiness, you will die. And so for 25 years, I can see clearly those who are dying in the service. And so are you coming alive? Is your family coming to life? Is life flowing through you? Then you are attached to the vine. But if you are dying, your children are dying, your your inheritance is dying, then you are dying, my brothers. Wake up to that. You are not alive. God will not work in that. And so God will prune his church. And so you also need pruning at an individual level. So at the international level, worldwide level, at the church level, and at the individual level, constantly God is pruning you. And so remember, as I said in Romans, you have been cut from that root. And so there is a time where these, where these false branches will continually come out. But, and that's why you need pruning. You need pruning. And that's, what, that's that process of pruning is putting yourself to death. And these, these false branches is all your, your, the power of yourself, the power of your flesh. All of these things uh, needs to be pruned. Because the state of being able to deal with the wickedness within you is a state where you are separated from the wickedness that is outside of you. But because you're constantly receiving wickedness from the outside, you're unable to deal with the wickedness inside of you. And so though you have been cut off from the root, as I said in Romans, again, that bitter root takes root. As it says in Hebrews 12, 15. And so there are some of you who even have that bitter root. Though it's clear that you have received salvation and you have been made holy because you are lazy and putting yourself to death, that bitter root comes deeply and so it's easy for you to sin once again. And the symbol of this, the pinnacle focus of this is your cell phones. As it says in Psalms, is turn your eyes away from worthless things. As it says in Psalms 110, King David, when he became king, 
he saw that everything was green, right? He saw everything was green before he became king. When he was a shepherd, right? As he was a shepherd, he saw that everything was green and, and he was seeing nature. But now that he became king, everywhere he sees there's women throwing him, themselves at him. And so, he, and so that's why he makes his confessions. Lord, turn my eyes away from worthless things. And so look at us. With the cell phones, we see everything, right? All kinds of wickedness. And because your eyes are glued to that cell phone, the desires of your eyes are growing and growing within you. And so think about how many false branches are around you. And so you need to every day sprinkle the blood of Christ. Continue to repent. Continue to repent. You cannot, you cannot afford to be lazy with this. And so as you continually cut off that branches, eventually you grow to that state of goodness where your old self is death and the new self is strong. The old self becomes vegetative and the new self is living. So a long time ago, when you would look at just holding your cell phone would be a temptation, but now no longer is it temptation to you. Before, uh, when I first met with Jesus Christ, after after a good workout, I would be tempted by a cold glass of beer. But nowadays, I don't have that temptation. Because sin is an extension of the energy of the flesh. But you, you no longer have that flesh to extend that energy because you have been continually putting yourself to death. Amen? That is what it means to prune. And so there are three levels of pruning. Pruning at the international, global level, inter pruning at the, at, the, at the church level, and then pruning at the individual level. And so in this process of sanctification, the kingdom of heaven is being expanded. And so kingdom of heaven isn't about gathering more and more people. That's not about expanding the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of heaven is holiness. It's about holiness. It's not about numbers. God can do everything through just one person. Amen? This is the principle of things. And so look, the businessmen are sitting here and it's the same thing with your business. It's not about gathering lots of people. That's not what's going to make your business grow. You need to bring people who are moved by God, who moved according to the wisdom and understanding of God, who move in the discernment of God, who move according to the authority of God. We, if we are victorious in God, we are victorious in all things. That's our belief. That's our faith. Amen. Why for 25 years would I be in Shiwa when there was nothing here when I first arrived? God brought me here, Shiwa, in this church. And that's what he showed me. Is I said to God, Lord, 25 years ago when I first came here, I said, God, God, can anything good come of this place? But look, look at what's going on now, right now. Right? I, I first heard of Shiwa when God brought me here. Because really, if it was me, I would be in Gangnam. Look at me. I am Gangnam style. Everything from the clothes that I wear to the, to the face that I have, I'm Gangnam style. And yet, why did God bring me here? And three, 
years after first establishing the church, I kicked everyone out and I said to God, God, I'm going to Gangnam. But he didn't send me to Gangnam. God said, God said to me, is you will see goodness in Shiwa. Amen? Amen. I have yet to see it yet. I have yet to see it. It's starting to peak, but I have yet to see it. I will see it soon. Amen. I will see it soon. Amen. Today is Thanksgiving, so let us give thanks. Amen. I give thanks. I give thanks. But look, look. All of you who are here, you came because of your ruin, right? You came after being ruined. Honestly, elder, let's be let's be frank. If you didn't get ruined, would you have come here? Ah, okay. You oh no no okay. So you did come before you were broken, but then you came to this church and then you got ruined. Okay, actually. You're, you're right, you're right, Elder. Most people come after being ruined, but you were ruined at the church. But it's okay, it's okay. This is pruning, pruning. And so those of you who have not been ruined, there's danger, you might be ruined. <laughs> but anyways, look at how important it is to, to be pruned. And so this is God's method, is pruning. God will always prune, always prune to bear fruit. And so from this perspective, we can say God is terrifying because he will bring about fruit. And so look at verse 3. Already, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. This is salvation. So when we were when we were saved, God has um, implanted us into the vine to bear fruit. And so you have this holiness. You are clean. And so through pruning, you are continually being sanctified. That is what it means to live in the Holy Spirit. Without pruning, you cannot bear fruit. So the most important thing for a vine dresser is to prune. Right? And they prune very viciously. Right? Only leaving just that one fresh vine. Same thing with God. God is always pruning his vine. And so, the secret to bearing much fruit is pruning. And so the world mourns over what they do not have. But God's kingdom mourns because of what they have failed to give up. Amen? So we need to continually empty ourselves about pruning. It's about pruning. Fully empty ourselves. That is the secret to bearing much fruit. And so just do not leave anything back. Just cut everything. And so the secret to bearing fruit is relationship with Him. And so the branch is obvious that it would bear fruit. And the reason why it doesn't bear fruit is because it has yet to be pruned. And so even now, we must be pruned. Amen? 
So many of you, some of you have been here for 20 years, more than 20 years, and you cannot, you cannot say anything that you, you cannot show anything of fruit. Look at the disciples of Jesus Christ. There are some of them who've only been with Christ for six months. And yet after six months, they, they are establishing churches. They are building churches. And when you first saw our church, this happened too. Right? Many of the church members would go out preaching to pastors. Just think about how many people have been chased out of our church. So many people, right? Does, do I have to send more out? So listen carefully. All these church members leaving, it's not my will. It's, it's God's, God's, the method of God's kingdom. And I'm being honest before you. I, when I kick someone out, it's not for our church's sake. It's for that person's sake. He is dying in here. And so it's for him. And so if you are to leave after this, today's church, after today's service, okay, uh, please go quietly. This is, it's been a long time since I've made this kind of statement in the church. But anyways. And so let's see, let's move on. Let's see what the branch can do. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. This is the dynamic of the Trinity. Right? We talked about this in 1 John. But we'll, let's talk about it from a different perspective a little bit. But abide in me as I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So we, as branches, must be attached. And so remember, at Yerban Church, what's most important is being of the church. Because if you are attached to the church, you will bear fruit. Branches, if you are not attached to the vine, you will simply be refuse. You will be chaff. That's it. And so I'm saying, be in the church. And what does it mean that you are in the church? It means you have relationship with the Trinity God. And so when you are in the church, you have that relationship where I am in him and he is in me. And this happens the moment you receive God, you receive Christ. And so that's what it means that you are attached to vine. You are attached to the vine. And when we are attached to the vine, we became his temple. And if the Holy Spirit is inside of me, it means that, that his word is inside of me. That means we are new covenant beings. 
And so with just these two things, we see great things, right? That we are new covenant and we are his temple. And going beyond that, we are sons of God, we are heirs of God. And all of that came from the Holy Spirit coming inside of me. And in that relationship, it activated a relationship with the Trinity. And that means that I am in His presence. And this is the amazing thing. That that's what I live by. That the Holy Spirit dwelling within me means that I am in His presence. That means that when I'm in His presence, that everything that flows forth from God is in me. In His presence, as it says in Colossians 1.15, that the universe dwells within Him. And so when I am in His presence, that means that I am in control of the universe. That's why the church has the right to rule and reign. And so this is the relationship, this amazing relationship. And when we have that relationship, we can say we are attached to the vine. And so what's most important is that abide in me. As long as we abide in him and everything that keeps us from abiding in him, what do we do? We pray to less empty ourselves of those things. And so what is pruning? Pruning is maintenance of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus, the presence of God the Father, the work of the Word, the power of the blood. All of this is moving within the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so look at how simple Christianity is. Look at how easy it is. I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is maintain this amazing relationship. All I have to do is don't go against the Holy Spirit. And so where should you pour out your energy? You would not be bound if you were just focusing on this. You would not have been hardened. Why? Because through the Holy Spirit coming to you, as it says in the prophecy of Ezekiel, that He has given you a heart of flesh. And this word inside of you, this word inside of you would continually wash you, would continually change you. And so if you maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit, there is no reason for your life to be bound. And so the fact that Jesus Christ did this great work on this earth is because of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so even now, that's the answer, is maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Then there is no limit to the power of His presence. And this is all something that you are witnesses to, right? You are all witnesses to this. And so this season that is upon us, we need to be able to bring that presence wherever we go. You have seen everything that you need to see, all the miracles that God has brought. And so now all that has to happen is it needs to manifest in you. And it's easy. All you have to do is maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And that fullness of the Holy Spirit 
will automatically allow you to abide in Him. The Holy Spirit is not demanding the impossible from you. That's not the promise of God. As I always say, God has taken all the impossible and made it possible. All you have to do is believe. And so all of our problems, it stems from unbelief. Why do we not believe? Because we are filled with the world. All we have to do is believe. It's as simple as that. Do you know what's the miracle of, of this church? Is for 25 years I've been preaching the same sermon for 25 years, and yet you are still being blessed. Do you know why? Because you are forgetting that, that glory. Because like your head pastor, your IQ is 89. <laughs> But anyways, and so abide in Him. Abiding in Him is what is receiving your relationship with Him in faith. And so these days, with the ministers, with the pastors, what I've been scolding them about is I'm not asking, I'm not demanding much. I'm asking the basics, the principle. What is that basic? What is that principle? Is living as you would if you are born again. So the very first thing that you can do if you are born again is live by the Holy Spirit. And what's the reason why you are born again and yet not living by the Holy Spirit? Because you are choosing wrong. You are choosing the old self. You are choosing uh, the flesh. But if you are in Yerban Church and you are ministering in this way, is it possible to live in your own thoughts? It's impossible. And yet you are making the impossible possible. And so pastors, ministers, you cannot live by the Holy Spirit. Really, when I went to Africa, and even in Central America, I said, pastors are addicted to their cell phones? That's a problem. And so as pastors, maintaining your relationship with God, That should be your fun, right? It should be your pleasure. And if you fail that, then you do not have a calling to be a pastor. That's the conclusion that you should have, right? If, you, if this is not what you enjoy, as you see in me, for 25 years, if I don't go out to ministry, do you see me go out to play golf? Do you see me going out to play tennis? I was good at those things. I was very good at pool. I was very good at racquetball. I was good at bowling. But look, when we are born again, the most easiest thing for us is to live in the Holy Spirit. If you are born again, It's possible to live in the flesh. You could choose it. Yes, you can. But it should torture you. If it doesn't torture you, that's a problem. And so if you are caught in games, in movies, in TV dramas, then that means that there is, should be an alarm going off inside of you. 
It's possible. But listen carefully. Listen carefully, Jeyu. I'm speaking about you. Because you keep living for work, because you are living for work, you waste your energy in, in the world. Don't underestimate your head, Pastor. Right, I could see even Panama from here. And the president of Panama, I said, oh, that's a white, white, I don't know what Pekir Dong, it's white, something with white blood cells. Um, leukemia? Is leukemia? Right, leukemia, right, yeah. And, and I told them that if he comes to me, I will pray for him and he will get better, but he's going to die because he didn't, he didn't come and he didn't receive prayer. All he had to do is pay for me to come to him and I would have gone. <laughs> but anyways, anyways, anyways. And so, it, you should see the danger that it's not torturous to you. Let's say if it is torturing to you, then that's okay. Let's say you are watching and yet it's torture to you. That means that that barricade is going properly. You may do fleshly things. Yes, that is possible. But it will not be your enjoyment. It should not be your enjoyment. If it's your enjoyment, that means that there is great strength that is not in the Holy Spirit. And I can tell, I can tell by looking at your eyes. And so if you are born again, it's natural to live in the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, it, all God asks you is to maintain this relationship. All the glory, the nobility that moves is in that relationship. That's how easy it is. And so why am I saying it's easy and yet you are going deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole? And so this re religion, religion makes this mistake thinking that my effort can make fruit. Because I'm attending church and I'm hearing the word. I'm hearing the word, not in the faith, but in my mind. And so because of my, my, my work, my effort, I'm bearing fruit. No, that's a delusion. You could attend church for 10,000 years. You will not bear fruit. There is no fruit in religion. Are you ginseng that, that you get better with age? Are you wine? Do you age like fine wine? No. It's not about how long you attend church. 
As John, 1 John 1.15 says, or not 1.15, 2.15. The Father, uh, yeah, 2.15. The Father levels, those who are always meeting, meeting with God for a long time. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you are saved because you have been at church for a long time. What does that mean? That means that even though you attend church, there are many who are going to go to hell. That's why it's so important to have confirmation of your salvation. And so this line, are you saved? You in the who is tall, where's your answer? Rapa, you want to raise your children in faith. You have three children now. And everything of the Father is going to flow to them. So are you going to send forth the world? Are you going to send forth to them rationality? Are you going to send forth to them their strength? Your strength? Oh, it's Thanksgiving. I should I should give thanks, right? Today is Thanksgiving. Let's move on. So make a screen here. Make a screen here to, to show who I'm talking about right now. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so it's clear. The secret to bearing much fruit is being attached. And how does Apostle John describe this dynamic of the Trinity? He describes it as the vine dresser, the vine, and the branch. And so the vine dresser pours out the nutrient to the vine. The vine receives it and sends those nutrients to the branch. And the branch bears fruit and the fruit provides nourishment to the vine dresser. And so this, this cyclical relationship, when you live in the Holy Spirit, this new self, whether you are aware of it or not, you are meeting with God. It's not living in your strength, but it's living by what He provides. And so let's say you, you came to hate someone you were able to stop that hate because of the flow of God's life and it gives you the strength to love and so it's same thing not just in love but in but also in wisdom and in all things it's all by what God gives I do not do it on my own and so this old self ultimately what is he doing he's always living by your experiences by your knowledge by your by your strength strengthening your flesh and so, what does it mean to maintain the full self, uh, the new self? It's maintaining the Holy Spirit. And if you are in the new self, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we live in that relationship, we will continually bear fruit. So the more fruit we have, the stronger the spiritual gifts get activated. Right? Just as, look at the, the, the raiments of the priesthood in the Old Testament. They always were clothed in symbols of fruit. And so let's say your personality is like trash. Then, then for a time, it may seem as if the Holy Spirit's using you because spiritual gifts are manifesting, but eventually that personality will catch up with you. 
And so I always say there's this balance, right? This balance with your with spiritual gifts and also your character. Because the kingdom of heaven is not compartmentalized. It's all integrated as a whole. There is no separate compartments. There is no church. You cannot say that, oh, I'm just filled with the, we have good, excellent Bible study. No, that cannot be the case. It needs to be all things. There is no separation. Your character, your personality, fullness of the Holy Spirit, manifestation of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, all of these things must be integrated as one whole. And so look, this is the relationship of the branch and the vine. And we'll see, we'll see a little bit deeper in from verses 7 and 8. But primarily right now what we're saying is, is that the branch must be attached to the vine. When it's attached, then it receives all the nourishments. And as it receives all that nourishment, you will bear fruit. And so he says clearly here, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And so do not have that disillusion thinking that you can do anything of yourself. That is religion. That is religion. That out of my effort? No, that's religion. That's why you don't pray? If you recognize that you can do nothing apart from him, then you would pray. If you believe, then you... Acknowledge him in all things that you do. You will not try to have your own self-righteousness. You would trust God and trust it all to God. Oh, because I'm good at English? No, no matter what skill you may have. There is no way that it can be the strength of God. Oh, because I can speak English well? Oh, because I can speak Chinese well? No. So, all the interpreters... When, when their righteousness rises up, there's no anointing flowing through them, or if they're filled with the, with the world, then I will not use them. Because if they just translate out of their technique, it's not possible. And also, my, my, the speed, the rate that I speak of, it cannot follow through technique. Only Chinese, maybe, maybe it's possible out of their own strength because of how short Chinese words can be. So that's why Chinese can be a little bit more wicked because it's possible out of their own strength. But no, but no, no, no. That nothing I have should be an obstacle. Amen? What is faith? Faith is giving up on your potential. Giving up on your potential. Letting it all go. When you let that go, that's when true faith comes. It's not difficult, what I'm saying. As you live with the Holy Spirit, what I have, what I can do, what my experiences are, you will no longer think of these things. As you continue to live with the Holy Spirit, you will not draw upon that bank. Everything becomes natural to just rely on God. And so look, of course, I prepare sermons, but for the most part, my preparation isn't like in depth, but rather just letting go what the Holy Spirit gives me. But the, does my sermons lack order? Does it lack structure? No. He loosens it inside of me. This cannot be done through my limitations. And so right when I was in South Africa, right, I was 
stuck shitting myself for 24 hours and yet still preaching four hours, eight hours a day? Is that possible in my limitations? And so one family gave me a gift and in their letter they wrote they, they wrote pastor who doesn't who isn't self-centered instead of writing pastor who shits himself <laughs> he wrote pastor who is not self-centered and reveals all right because because if if he wrote put myself then then you know I, I I would be filled with shame but he wrote in in such a really nice way. Hangisu, right? Your letter was very touching. But anyways, <laughs> verse six. Verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And so, the vine is a really important. Is a really interesting. Is a really interesting plant right because you cannot use the vine for anything except for fruit are you going to use the branches to make a table are you going to make those branches to make anything else no it's just it's simply firewood and so as branches of the vine from one perspective we should be trembling in fear because our purpose is only one which is fruit but conversely that means how simple is our lives. All we have to do is bear fruit. All other plants have to do things. They have to bear fruit. They have to be. They have to be uh, uh, lumbered. They have to do all kinds of complicated things. But the vine, only one thing is demanded of the vine, which is bear fruit. That's all. That's all you have to do is bear fruit. The only thing demanded of the vine is fruit. And so think deeply, my brothers, that I exist for fruit. Without fruit, I have no purpose. But if you look at it from faith, how simple is, this, is that? All I have to do is bear fruit. That's all I have to do is bear fruit. That's all God demands of me. And also, bearing fruit isn't out of my effort. All I have to do is remain in Him. Amen? How easy is that? Just remain in Him. Remember, I said, my family is a, comes from a Buddhist background. Buddhism demands so much of you. It's so complicated. It does not match with my personality. And as I was reading the Bible and praying with the Holy Spirit, and I looked at the Bible, it was so simple. All I have to do is believe. How As simple as that. All I have to do is believe. I don't have to sleep, sleep sitting up. I don't have to eat raw rice. There are some who attach, who detach their fingernails to show their devotion to, to separating themselves. Look at how torturous Buddhism is. No, I, I, that doesn't match with me. I, I don't like pain at all. All we have to do is what? Believe. Believe. As, as simple as that. Believe. Am I deceiving you? Am I conning you right now? Why is the Bible so long? Not because it's complicated. 
but rather it's showing you the purpose and the process of what happens after you believe. And so all you have to do is believe and just live. Are you righteous? God has given you righteousness. And when you receive that in faith, in that faith, you live with him. That's what's being written down in the Bible. So there's nothing as simple as believing in Christ. All that's demanded of you is fruit. That's all you need to do is bear fruit. And how do you bear fruit? By remaining attached to Him. Amen? And so the only thing, the only purpose of the branch is to bear fruit. And that is simple because it comes through everything that He provides. And so if you live in the Holy Spirit, you'll bear fruit. And so why do you fail to bear fruit? Because you are not attached to the vine. That's why you bear no fruit. And so ever since you were saved, if you lived in the Holy Spirit, what would happen? Then you would be able to bear much fruit, powerful ministry, powerful sermons, whatever it may be. As you see in the head pastor, I'm getting stronger in my ministry, right? I'm not lying, right? It's getting more powerful, isn't it? My words are getting more powerful. I'm not a special case. This is what God created for us. This is glorification. This is evidence that I'm not living in the flesh. And this is also clear evidence of God giving us this new season. And so it's really dangerous sign if you find yourself tolerating darkness and not doing anything about it, compromising with it. That is religion. That is the trap of religion. If you live by the Holy Spirit, if there's no evidence of the Holy Spirit leading you, then you will be anxious and you should be anxious. As I always said, as I pray to God, I always check whether I am leading this church properly in God. And one of those ways that I can check is, is there being signs and wonders coming throughout this month? Because if there are no signs, there is, there is something that, that is wrong. And so God is trying to show me that. That I have been going against the Holy Spirit. Same thing applies to you. In this month or these two months, in your prayer, how many times have you been answered? How many times have not been answered? You must always be aware of these things because ultimately your prayer life is a symbolism of your spirituality. And so if you are receiving no prayers, no answers, or... Deacon, oh, he's, he's having trouble moving because... But I told him, I told him that, that it's going to be, that his prayer is going to be answered. And how was it answered? That the law, the regulation, the regulation of the government changed so that they can move. And so I didn't say anything to anyone. Usually I would ask someone to help, but God did not ask me to move, that God is going to do something in him. And so I waited. 
And the law, of the regulation of the country changed. This is sign of God answering your prayers, right? And, th- and so if you cannot remember the last time God answered your prayer, that's dangerous. Then I encourage you to go to a Buddhist temple because that is more effective. If you bow 3,000 times, that might be quicker for you. And so as it says in 2 Corinthians, right, to check yourselves. And so you should be checking yourself. Or are you just living in lukewarmness? That is dangerous. That means you need to repent deeply. Really. Ministers, listen carefully. You are not just here to just exist in this church as if you are living in any other religion. You have to break through and 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 minister powerfully, casting out demons, bringing about healing. Now, I'm not saying develop your ability. No, I'm saying the kingdom of heaven should be evident in you. And the kingdom of heaven is powerful and manifest. And so it should be realized. Okay, did I put you on top of, 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 of intercession prayer teams so that you can sing? No, did I make you in charge of intercession teams so that you could just pray topics? No, you should be praying powerfully in prophetic anointing. And so these evidences, these evidence must be clear in your life. And really, that's all that's asked of us. It's the same thing in your business. It's not out of your effort. It's not you making your business. No. Just God. God is, let God work. There was, there was a, there was a 300 million, or no, no, sorry, three million dollar order, or three hundred thousand dollar order that came in, and do you know how they got it? They didn't, they didn't get it by doing something, rather, the, the two competitors were fighting with one another, and so they decided not to do work together, and they worked with Ant. $300,000 is nothing, actually. But, but look, but look, it's God who brings it about. Let us live by the Holy Spirit, my brothers. If we do not live by the Holy Spirit, and unaware that you are a branch that has been thrown away, brothers, that is tragedy. So young adults, listen carefully. This is the mistake that they make. That when you come to church, yes, you are having fellowship with God. That's good. But but if you are living separate in the world, you need to understand that you are living a dual life. That is unbelief. That is turning God into Baal. Because what is Baal? Baal is confining God to the confines of the temple. And one clear evidence of corruption in the church throughout history is confining God to the temple. You look for God in the church and you worship in an amazing way, but when you go outside, God is dead to you. No, God is God in the church. He is God out in the world. He is God everywhere. 
That's clear sign that God has become bal inside of you. But God is Yahweh. He is God who is alive and active. He has no beginning and end. He is almighty, all powerful. That is the God that you are living with. Live by the Holy Spirit. And you must have evidence that you are living with the Holy Spirit. That is fruit. And so when you interpret tongues, instead, don't preach. You should be interpreting what's going on, what that spirit needs. But because you do not live by the Holy Spirit, you cannot interpret. Your interpretation is not at fault, but your interpretation should go deeper. That through interpretation, it brings about all kinds of things. What is the Holy Spirit speaking? But instead of interpreting, you are preaching. And so you should be able to hear their tongues. That's why you preach. Because you cannot hear. Why are you are you pastors? If you are pastors, then you would inter- you would preach. But you are not pastors, and yet why are you preaching? And so only pastors it's okay for them to preach when they interpret. But lay members, you should not be preaching in your interpretation. I keep forgetting today's Thanksgiving Thanksgiving and so third so from verse 5 we see this relationship I abide in you you abide in me and in this relationship as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the movement of this Trinity God becomes stronger and stronger. You become more intimate. As it says in John 11, uh, sorry, I, I didn't hear the verse, but 10:5, but, uh, you enter into this glory that, the, that God shared, and you are invited into that glory. You are invited, and so you are henos, you are one. As it says in John 21, uh, his final prayer to the Christians is that they would be one as we are one. That we have been invited into that glorious relationship. And in that relationship, honestly, this isn't out of my effort. And yet, and yet this is everything for us. This is our great privilege. Because this glory is a glory beyond measure. And we have been invited to that glory and have become one with him. Just as the three points of a triangle always move together, in that relationship, I have been invited. He dwells in me, and I am in his presence. And so this relationship needs to continually be agile inside of you. As it says in Philippians 3.8, right, that that I consider all things as refuse in comparison to the greater glory, the surpassing glory of the knowledge of Christ. And I, I, I press on to imitate him, to know him in his death and resurrection. So as I have this relationship, this, this, this dynamic moves inside of me. 
And so through that, I come to know Christ, know him in his death and his resurrection. And as I empty myself in this relationship, this agile relationship, this intimate relationship, ah, this is Christ. And this gives the king authority, the authority of the resurrection. That no matter what situations, whether I am in suffering, in persecution, in hardship, I can be content. So maintenance of the Holy Spirit is made perfect through emptying yourself. Because no matter how great your vessel may be, if it's filled with things, you cannot fill it with a lot of water. Even if it's a small cup, if it's empty, then you could be filled to the brim with water. The same thing applies to us. As we continually empty ourselves, the measure of the fullness of the Holy Spirit grows and grows and grows. And as it grows and grows and grows, your relationship with this Trinity God becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And He pours out more and more and more of His life. And through that life, you bear more and more fruit. And as that fruit grows and grows, the authority and power within you continually grows. And so that's what I mean that there is no separation in the kingdom of heaven. You cannot separate the and compartmentalize these things. It all comes as one through the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what I've been saying for the past 25 years. And so look at verse 7. Verse 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words... And so we're continuing speaking of fruit, right? And so the Apostle John is now giving you the secret in verse 7 and 8 and then also in verse 9 and 10. The two secrets. And so verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And as I said earlier, when you were born again, the Holy Spirit entered into you. Amen? And so after these Gospels, John wrote 1st John and also uh, the 1st, the, 2nd, the 3rd John and, and the Revelation. And this is John's revelation, right? And so in John chapter 4 verse 14, it says that God is in me and, and, and I am in God, right? Because Jesus is in the flesh, he has yet to die on the cross. And so he cannot say that I am in you. But after resurrected, or no, even after resurrected, he is still in, in, in the flesh. And so he doesn't say that Jesus in me, right? He uses the spiritual, which is Holy Spirit. This is not important, and yet, I don't know. So this is difficult, right? This is difficult to receive, but, but this is not important. He's saying right now, from Jesus' perspective, in the Gospel of John, he says, Jesus in me, right? After the Gospels, never does the Apostle John ever say, Jesus in me. But, but and, and so anyways, anyways, so... Excuse me. And so look. 
Verse 7, if you abide in me and my will, and so who is this you? He's speaking to the disciples and me is the Lord. So if we abide in the Lord, his words will dwell in me. So when I'm born again, the word comes inside of me and at the same time I'm a new covenant being, the blood enters inside of me and that's evidence that I am the temple. And as is the prophecy of Jeremiah says, the most noble, the most dignity a man can have is when his word enters into me, that his word is in my heart, is in my mind. And so my being is being moved by the word of God. That is the most dignity a man can have. And so that's why memorization is so important, because this is evidence of that new covenant being sealed inside of you. And so... So 34 years ago, for 13 years, the Holy Spirit did not ask me to do anything except what? Eat the word, repent, obey, and bow down. That was perfecting the new covenant within me. And when that new covenant is perfected, then when you pray, just heavens open up. And the word itself becomes part of your character. Isaiah becomes part of you. Matthew becomes part of you. Habakkuk becomes part of you. And as I said, when I eat Habakkuk, what happens is I can see history from the eyes of God. That's what you are doing inside of you, my brothers. And so, so you memorized Hebrews. And that Hebrews is moving inside of you. And so when you pray, the power of that blood becomes part of your character. How amazing is that? You are the glorious generation. Because the word of God, the word of God is living and active. There's power. It is the character of omniscient God. Right? What does it say in the Gospel of John? The word was God. And so you understand the value, the value of God's word. That is kabod, how precious it is, how valuable it is, how worthy of reverence it is. There's hope in answer. Amen? And then with that wisdom, you go into math, that math will be easy. With that wisdom, you go into English, that English will be easy. Did you see them memorize in English? How amazing was that? They speak English better than I do. Colin, you speak English better than pastor. Oh, that upsets me a little bit. Our church has the anointing of language, right? There's nowhere in this world that we have not touched. Oh, you are beloved. Do you have any? Do you have any party today for you guys? Any? Any? Okay, Ensip, you guys take this fruit. You guys take this fruit today. This is all Ensip. Anything else you guys need? Just say, 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 ask, and I will give. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Okay.
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, and so in that moment, in that state, what does it mean that the word is inside of me? That the word has dwelling inside of me. Because the word is dwelling inside of me. Now, of course, this means the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. But right now, the focus is on the word. Because the word is inside of me, I am in his presence. That's the relationship that we're seeing. And so as you remembered in 1 John, when I'm in Christ, I'm with Christ. Amen? And so, what does what is with Christ in Greek? It's shrim. So everything that Jesus Christ has done, all of His merits, that dignity is all shared with me. And in that state, the Word of God is moving inside of me. That's what this is describing right now. And so the dynamic of the Trinity. It was during the Council of Nicaea that the word Trinity first appeared, which was in the 3rd century or 4th century, right, around there. But, so this word Trinity in itself is not problematic. It's not problematic, but, but that word has no meaning to us. Are you, are you describing a three-headed monster? But this triune God, it's about your fellowship. That are you meeting with the Father? Are you meeting with the Son? Are you meeting with the Holy Spirit? And so these trinity, this trinity has various uh, prepositions ascribed to them, right? Right, pros the Father, shrin Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. And so this is the relationship with Christ. We are Shrin Christ, meaning that everything that Christ has done is shared with me, that the Word of God is inside of me. And so the Word is moving inside of me. And that Word, as it moves inside of me, what do we do? We ask whatever. And so this is the first secret to bearing much fruit because the Word dwells inside of me. And I'm receiving all of his merits. So when I pray, when I pray, I'm not praying what I want. I'm praying as I hold on to God's promise. And when I hold on to God's promise, the word of God is acknowledged by God as the Holy Spirit leads me. As it goes through my intellect and emotion and will, as my spirit is being um, upheld by the Holy Spirit and praying in the promise, that promise uh, is confirmed by the Holy Spirit and, and it's bringing in, into me. And so because I have the word of God, the promise of God cannot be canceled because he is the king. And as a son of that king, when I ask, it's all official. And so let's say God gave you this inspiration, he gave you the inspiration to say, Lord, give me the universe. Right, 34 years ago when I prayed to God, I said, God, give me the world and I will lift it up to you in glory. And, and, and so right now, right now, honestly, when I look back at that, I, I kind of scoff and laugh at myself because the scale has changed. But God acknowledged that faith. God acknowledged that faith. He's not going to look down on it. He will not look down on as any of your prayers. He will not say, don't ask me that. No, because of the dignity that he gives to you, your official request, God will respond in one way or another. 
And so, your primary concern shouldn't be whether it's God's will or not. That's later for you to concern. Or let's say ask, you ask God, give me the universe. He's not going to mock it and say, oh, I'm never going to give you that. No, he's going to first consider and he's going to respond. He's going to, and so if you, if you are to receive the universe, first you need the scale to uphold that universe. And then you need the scale to, to empty that, to empty so that he can fill you. That's why it requires five billion light years to take. But anyways, listen carefully. God is not going to mock your prayer request. That's the authority that you have. And so that is the weight your prayer carries when you pray in the Holy Spirit. So what does the Bible say? Pray in the Spirit. Pray according to the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. All of this is praying in tongues. For the most part, when it says in the New Testament, pray in spirit, it means pray in tongues. There are a few places where that's not what it means. But what is praying in tongues? Praying in tongues is knowing God's will. But there is one weakness with tongue prayer, and what is that? That is, you do not know what you are praying. And so what does it say in 1 Corinthians 13? That's why you need interpretation. Those who pray in tongues must yearn to interpret. And so that's why I tell you how to pray. Pray in tongue, interpret. Pray in tongue, interpret. Because that's activating the prophetic anointing. Pray, interpret. Pray, interpret. Pray, interpret. So in this time and day era, God is pouring out great prophecies. According to... Right, according to the times, because the times to fulfill these prophecies is coming, and so we'll now soon be able to say who the Antichrist is, who the false prophet is. That's the time that is upon us, and if you're still praying to solve your own problems. And so look, hurts, wounds. These things cause such great difficulty to live in the Holy Spirit. They should have all been dealt with when you were born again. And yet there's so many of you who still have these hurts and wounds. And so that's why it's so difficult. So difficult to go down that path that God wants you to go. Because hurts and wounds will not let you go down the way God wants. If you live in the Holy Spirit, you would be without thought. But these people who have hurts and wounds, they have their own thoughts. And so they move according to their thoughts, but they cannot go down that way because they do not have the strength to. And so hurts and wounds is dangerous. And to that, we need the power of the blood. What about bindings? Bindings you cannot loosen without living in the Holy Spirit. Because you do not live in the Holy Spirit, you are constantly being bound. And because you keep losing that freedom, you are constantly being bound and more and more bound. The power of the blood needs to be activated so that you can deal with wounds. But because you are bound, you cannot see those wounds. So we need to get rid of this vicious cycle. If we do not loosen this vicious cycle, we cannot live with the Holy Spirit. We cannot go down the path that God wants us to go down. You don't know what direction you might go. So 
Going beyond that, let's say Deacon Park was not bound, and for 30 years, that bounding would go to Heyun, her. Let's say that she's 10 years old, 40 years, she would have to. And so, thank God that he was born again. If he wasn't born again, Heyun would curse her father. Think about it. Let's say that you were not born again. Then in five years, your daughter would probably be smoking cigarettes and she would probably be like, Father, let's, let's go for a drink. So how grateful to God, to Jesus Christ are you? Because he is the one who taught his wife how to drink, how to smoke, right? And yet, through Jesus Christ, they were born again and, and, and they were completely transformed. But let's say that that binding wasn't loosened. They would just live as life passed them by. It's because of God's grace that our children are healthy and living well. And it's because that's how much their parents have loosened. They are not rising up randomly. And so when we're born again, it solves all of this. And yet we are not living as born-again Christians ought to. And so those who have dealt with eternity would see this and would know this, would know the loss that is being suffered. And because his word abides inside of us, right? What is this abide? This abide means it dwells inside of me. And as it moves inside of me, then everything is solved because his word is moving inside of me. Ask whatever it is in my name and I will give to you. And so it's strange not to receive answer. This is the great power that comes from living in the Trinity. This is the season that is upon us. And this happens immediately these days. That's the amazing thing. You will see soon uh, fire fall from heaven. You will see it soon. It's coming upon us. That, that spiritual time is upon us. What else does it say? Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit. And so look, bearing fruit isn't for me. It's for God. God is glorified through you bearing much fruit. And so it's not me who wants to bear fruit, but God who wants to bear fruit. And so when it comes to glory, glory is the most important thing for us to consider because glory deals with God. And when God called us, He shares His glory to us. 
And glory, what is that? It is the privilege of seeing his face. This privilege wasn't even given to angels, right? It says to see him in glory. We have the right to see his glory. Why? Because why are because we are perfecting the image of Christ in us through that, and so we have to see Him. And as we see Him more and more, that glory grows. And so, what happens in verse eight? Uh, and so, prove to be my disciples. And so, because and so that's why He's saying this. Disciples, right? Um, chapter 13, verse 15. What does it say? Uh, or chapter 13, verse 36. It says, or, or 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so, disciples are those who reveal Jesus Christ to the world and so love and glory are is what's most important to them I mean he could have said my children or my sons and yet he says my disciples why because through these disciples this glory is made manifest to the world amen through that love these the people of the world will see God and so if you live in this relationship with the Trinity, this glory radiates from you. This love radiates from you. It's not because you're trying to, but the principle of things are like this. So moving on. So that's how important it is for the word to dwell inside of me. Because whatever I ask, it will be given to me. Why? Because that is the nature of God's promise. The word that's inside of me is the promise of God. I said this in Galatians. And with this promise, when I pray to God, God acknowledges that promise. God acknowledges that prayer. Like George Mueller prayed. He took empty plates and he said, Lord, you have said you will provide for this daily food. And so, Lord, I thank you for the daily food. And immediately someone knocked at the door and they gave them bread and milk. And so immediately after George Mueller prayed, there was someone bringing food to them in his orphanage. That's the power of God's promise. There is official effect, official weight. Means that not only I am aware, but anyone can see that when I when I receive answer to my prayer, that love and glory can be confirmed by all who see. And so in Matthew five, that let your light shine before the world. That the light that shines from that glory can be seen by all. And then secondly. Verse 9 and 10 is the love of God. Right? First, we talked about word, the word of God, abide in his word, right? And now, verse 9 and 10, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This is the only this is the only place where it says to abide in my love. Because love belongs to Father. And so nowhere else does it say receive the love of Jesus Christ. This is the only place where it says that in the Bible. Now, of course, Paul sometimes says the love of Christ, right? Who can cut me off from the love of Christ? 
The love of Christ is responsibility to love me, right? That if money is needed, then he'll give money. If authority is needed, he'll give authority. If power is needed, he'll give power. That's what it means by the love of Christ, that he'll take that responsibility. Just as Christ took every, made every sacrifice necessary to save you, that's what the love of Christ is. And so as I preached on this topic, that we are not responsible for our actions. As it says in Romans 8, 12, that we are no longer indebted to the flesh. This faith is the faith that allows us to be martyred because he is responsible. Amen. And so, when it says abide in Christ's love, it's possible because of this relationship with the disciples. But ultimately, the love of God is confirmed through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so Romans chapter 5, what does it say? Let's turn to it. Why do I have so much to say today? So this is the relation. He didn't say the verse, so I don't know what verse it is. But <laughs> true. So I'm in the presence of God. I'm pros God. Yes. And. And so when I'm in that state, God's love is being poured out. And who receives that love? Do I receive it directly? The Holy Spirit receives that love and confirms it inside of me. And so as it says in Galatians 5, 6, the Holy Spirit, according to the level of my faith, God pours out that, okay? And so... So again, let's say I should have hated, but I give up on hate. The Holy Spirit knows that measure, that portion, and, and knows the portion of my faith. And God pours out that love according to that portion of that faith. And so the, the larger the scale of that faith, the larger the love. And then also, another reason why you're unable to receive that love, as it says in 1 Timothy 1.3, or one five is is the channels of that love, right? The the the, the pure heart, good faith, uh, in a, in a good conscience and 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 faith, right? And because these channels are open, you're able to receive that love. And there's some who are unable to receive that love because those channels are closed. They don't, Pastor, why is he speaking so quickly? If you're speaking so quickly, how can I understand a word that you're saying? Why? Because these channels are cut. And so you understand that if I were to preach on this, it would take another hour. And so, so you know, uh, pure heart, um, pure heart, uh, why am I drawing blanks? Pure heart, good conscience and, 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 and faith, right? And so, oh, I wanted to preach shortly, and yet why am I preaching so long? At least today, he will not blame me. <laughs> <laughs> and so verse 9 as he says as the father has loved me so I so have I loved you abide in my love 
바로 성령으로부터서 그리스도의 사랑으로 어, 어, 그리스도가 어떤 생을 지어서 나를 사랑했느냐를 성령이 어, 그 분량을 내 믿음의 그릇에 채워준 상태를 얘기한다는 거죠, 그렇죠? 이제 이 얘기하는 거예요. So what I'm trying to say is the measure of that love that comes through the measure of faith, right? That through the Holy Spirit that love comes inside of me. That's what Romans 5:8 says clearly. That He demonstrates His love for us as the Holy Spirit pours out upon us like water being poured out upon us. And so this is the evidence of that love. And so, if you keep living in the old self, or, or sorry, the new self, then that love is continually being poured out. And there's the fruit of that love, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Many kinds of fruit. And these fruit are being made through that process. And so, it's in that relationship. As that anointing is continually being poured out, As it continually flows inside of me, that fruit is being born. And so how can we clean the Han River? Is if clean water starts at the source. And so as that water is flowing inside of you, It's continually being poured out inside. That's why I say, live in the Holy Spirit. Continue to live in the Holy Spirit. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments. And so what is love? Love is obedience. When you are obeying to the word, that is clear sign that you are in love. And so if you are outside of that love, you cannot obey. And so the fear of God, right? You could be obedient to God because you are afraid. But fundamentally, the reason why you will obey is because of love. That if I am disobedient, it breaks God's heart. So remember, I used this example, right? In the winter, my wife wanted, wanted watermelon. And so even, and so would I have said, are you crazy? Watermelon in the winter? No, I would look for it because of love, right? And so just like in the past, you know, when you were with your wife, your wife was like, oh, I want Heineken. And then you would immediately go out and buy a can of Heineken, right? Because of love, you would be obedient. Here, give this to Gyeongnim. Give this to your wife. <laughs> oh, actually, this belongs to Ansip. Oh, no. Okay, because it's, it's property of Ansip. Ansip, take that, okay? Take it. You don't want it?
And so obedience expands love. Obedience strengthens holiness. As it says in 1 Peter, that um, obedience brings more holiness. And so as we are obedient to the word, that word continually cleanses us, washes us, purifies us. So there's a season for that to be continually activated. For example, when I first began my pastoral ministry, there was a really famous drama. There was a famous drama about Eastern Shin. Every Sunday was on, and after service, I would go to watch it. And the reason why I cut it off, the reason why I cut it off was because because while I was preaching, what would cause? Oh no! I kept praying, Lord, uh, turn away my eyes from worthless things. And as that was surfacing inside of me, I started to say, Oh, I should not watch this drama. And that's where uh, the washing, renewal, washing of the spirit and renewal uh, uh, comes in Titus three five. I and so the difference between natural uh, natural birth natural birth and and cesarean section is that natural birth is so healthy for the children because 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 through that pushing out of 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 that womb they are washed clean but but through through cesarean uh, it's all still left and they have to be washed away in a in a in a in a in a, in a artificial way so we're finished up to verse 10 now verse 11 to 12 is what fruit we what fruit we will bear there's two things that uh, Apostle John says directly in Galatians we see many kinds of fruit right fruit of patience fruit of love fruit of there's all kinds of fruit even also the money that you offer that's all fruit right God acknowledges that all as fruit even you bear fruit when, when you are rewarded for what? for, for giving a, a, a glass of water to someone in need so I understand that that you you have much fruit as a church because just think about even just doing uh, intercession intercession right uh, doing intercession for for something like for example for example like uh, like uh, intercession for South America 
You have to wake up really early in the morning. And so I understand, I, I understand that you have rewards. And so I'm not saying that you do not have any rewards. What I'm saying is, is that let us go beyond the church level and also individual life. I want you the most glory for you. Anyway, so let's look at the fruit. Verse 16. No, verse 10, verse 10. If you keep my command... Uh, no? What? Did he say verse 16? Sorry, one moment, one moment, one moment. Verse 11, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Isaiah 65. What is New Jerusalem made of? It's made of joy. So the kingdom of God is represented in joy. So as you live in the kingdom of heaven, in this relationship, above all else, you'll be filled with joy. Amen? So no matter how hard you are praying and you are not filled with joy, that means there's something wrong. And so I can see it in your faces. There should be light emanating from your face. And so if you lack joy, don't treat it lightly. You should be concerned. Interesting. Why do you not have joy? For the most part, you, you are not filled with joy. What's the, where's the source of that? If you interpret you, there's so many things that you despair of towards God. And you, why do you not have joy? Because you're not receiving the word of God properly. And so you should understand where your lack of joy is coming from. How about you, Deacon Shin? It's because you're unable to unravel the, the fundamental uh, bindings within you. So you need to understand why you are failing to rejoice. When it's, as it says, rejoice, always rejoice. Why, we able, why does it say that? Because we are able to. Within our community, we've experienced many, many things, right? As we talked, even though Enoch died in a tragic way, everyone was filled with joy because they knew the, 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 the purpose of God. And even now, there is great fruit that was born in Argentina through, through, through his death. And so you should not delude yourself into thinking that you have no reason to joy, rejoice. That I'm unable to rejoice because I'm poor? No, that is a lie. That is complete deception. No matter the circumstances, there's nothing in this universe that can cut us off from the joy of the Lord. If there is, then you are not saved. You are outside of salvation. So do not be deceived. Listen carefully. Young adults, many of you have lost that joy. Your, your faces are so dark. And you need to understand that that is dangerous because joy represents God's kingdom. Let us rejoice. 
And so we, you need to find why you are unable to have joy. You need to find that reason. There's some people who's been at our church 10, 20 years and still their faces are so dark and, and, and cast down. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 1, that they received the word of God in the midst of persecution and they received it in joy. And so in the secret to that is that they received it in faith because they had the joy of the Holy Spirit. They did not worry about what they will eat, what they will drink, what they will wear. Because they no longer had the right to participate in the economy of Thessalonica. And yet, because they were filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit in that persecution, they received the word of God. And so it's a complete lie to say that you are not rejoicing because of your circumstances. So this is really important. What is the reason you fail to have joy? This word creo. Creo in Greek. It's anointing. Right? Where are all the professors? Yeah, to anoint, Creo. And the root of that, I believe, comes from joy. If it's correct, make an announcement next week. If it's not, don't say anything. <laughs> but when you receive anointing, you're filled with joy. It's not about your circumstances. And so this is the fruit to be filled with that joy. And that joy is evidence of that victory and is evidence of God's reign. And so especially churches like us that are doing a lot of spiritual warfare, we would be filled with joy because of that victory. Evidence that you are being pressed back in spiritual warfare is that you lose that joy. Because as it says in Psalms 140, that, that, that from the lips of one who rejoices comes a double-edged sword. 
And also, losing your joy means is clear evidence that you have lost your relationship with God. Because that relationship with that Trinity is always filled with joy. It's always filled with comfort. And Proverbs 22, what is evidence, what is the fruit of the fear of the Lord? It is life and wealth and, and I didn't hear the third thing. But anyways, uh, peace, peace and joy, right? And so... So life, wealth, and, and peace and joy. And so for 25 years, has there ever been a moment where our church has lost authority over material? No, constantly have authority. Because God pours out like water. Even though everyone in our church is poor, every single time we go out, God pours out material like water. Yeah. And Uganda, I wanted to do conference for both pastors and military, but now I, I, they're saying that it's not possible, that they cannot mix civilians and military personnel together. Am I afraid? No. I'm never afraid for lack of money. We have 20 associate pastors here. Do you think I worry about their remuneration? Now, of course, every now and then I'm thinking about how I can cut. I can I can cut it, but but I don't worry about whether I can provide or not. And so, should we rejoice or not? We must rejoice at all times. Amen. <laughs> Are you unhappy because of your wife? Then change wives. <laughs> Right, that's what Proverbs says. Right, that that you do not want to live with a contentious woman. Uh, what's the word that it uses in Proverbs? Not contentious, but um, quarrelsome woman. Right, I'd rather live in the corner of a house than live with a quarrelsome woman. But anyways, anyways. So sisters of our church, I, I, there are a few that you have to worry about, but for the most part, they're all very good, good women. Very good, good women. Amen. They're not asking for diamonds. They're not asking for riches. All right, our sisters. Let's give let's give thanks for the sisters of our church. No, really, I'm really. Yesterday, I, I, yesterday I sent a letter to my wife saying and gave her an allowance because of how grateful I am to her. <laughs> He's boasting in himself. <laughs> Let's continue. And so, the fruit of love, verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And so, the fruit of love has the, all the other fruit. Right? Love has everything in, in it. Right, 
And so if you have the fruit of love and joy, that means you have the fruit of everything, right? Because it has, it has one um, con conjunction, and so it's all as one. And where does this love go to in verse 13? Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. So how far does this love go? That you can die for one another. Who is your closest friend? It is Lord Jesus Christ. So you can die for Jesus Christ and you can die for the community. And that's what the early church we find, right? That they were able to die for one another. That is the goal for Yobam Church, right? Is to be able to die for one another. Why is that possible? In Colossians 1.13, we have been moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of love of the sun, love of the sun. And so Yobam Church for the past 25 years, that's what we've been doing is, is making that love. And I do not believe that there's any other church that has like this. Because we live together, basically, right? Almost all of the time of our lives is spent together. There's someone that I, I, I ask, I, I make her to pay rent at our church. Because apart from the time she's cooking for her husband, she's almost always here at the church. And it's not just that sister. All of our church, all of us, we are here. Always spending time together. So this is what we are grateful for. Amen. This is Thanksgiving. Right? That we there are not that many churches that live this way. So many pastors in overseas say that we are so grateful that there is a church like this. Right? Pastor Francisco said that I'd rather go to Yorbank Church than going to uh, Jerusalem. So next time he's here, be cold to him, okay? No, I'm just joking. I'm afraid that he's going to come too often. His son is going to be here for about 10 years because I think it's going to take 10 years for him to change. Eduardo. He was here last time, right? And so there's going to be many youth, young adults from Central America coming to receive training, to be, to be trained as, as, as pastors. And so brothers and sisters, if you want to get married to them, go ahead. But anyways. And then verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And so now this is intimacy. Intimacy to what? To a level of friend. And now 15. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. And so fundamentally, in this relationship, it's because we are friends with Christ that we can know all things, that there is no secrets between us. As it says in Amos 3, 7, that God does not move without first revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets. This is the relationship of a bride, right? Sold. And so friend, this intimacy, this level of intimacy is what's being spoken of. That's what we should yearn for, my brothers. Every relationship, everything that is being spoken in this church, this prophecy, 
It's all because God does not hold any secrets from us. Going beyond that, soon he's going to reveal to us who the Antichrist is, his schedule of the time, uh, what, 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 what is, uh, and so that, that, that flow is being made in this worship, and this is intimacy, testament of intimacy, and in that relationship, uh, it's that relationship where there's no secrets, as it says in Ephesians 3, 13. What is the church of God? The church of God can teach revelation to the angels. So the church can teach revelation to the angels. And so, of course, there is no secrets between God and the church. So this fruit of intimacy, amen, do you yearn for it? This intimacy, this relationship where there's no secrets between God. And so right now, for the past 15 years, as we've been doing this 24-hour intercessions, we have been receiving this prophetic anointing, this prophetic anointing. Amen? And so, honestly, we should have grown, gone even more deeper uh, if we were doing it properly. There would be great prophets here. And that's the, the thing that I kind of regret. Have we ever been able to just go on vacation? No, because we have intercession. And, and so I'm grateful that we have been dedicated to this intercession. But if we were just a little bit more um, in faith, then there would have been a great prophet. Remember, our intercession isn't in prayer topics. It's in the state of what the Holy Spirit is doing. I'm thinking of maybe changing intercession to three hour sessions instead of two hour sessions. But, anyways. We're on the last verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And this word choose is a word that we know very well, right? right earlier, this election was talking about pruning. Right, we talked about pruning, but now this election is the word bar in Hebrew, right? As it says in right that many are called but few are elected. And so in Revelations, it says those who are faithful to their calling and, and to their election. Because God has called me, I let go of everything. Because as Jesus uh, chose to save man, and so he gave up on the glories of heaven. And so because God has chosen me, I have to let go of everything, let go of my thoughts, my methods. With those things, we cannot live with God. We need to lay those things down. My method, my, my ways, my possessions, my things all needs to be laid down. If I hold on to those things, then I cannot be faithful to the calling of God. Uh, as it says in Matthew, a servant that is not worthy of his cloth, right? And, and that doesn't mean you're going to hell, but you will not receive the glory. And so we need to continually receive that election and be faithful to that election because he has called us and elected us. We must not hold on to anything apart from God. Amen. Continue to let everything go. Amen.
That's what it clearly says in Matthew. That many are chosen, many are call, many are called, but few are chosen. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. And so, I'm saying that it's natural to bear fruit. As long as you are being pruned, you will bear fruit. And so we lay it down, right? Of course we lay it down because everything we chose before Christ was wickedness. And so of course we want to lay these things down. And so if we lay these things down, then so we bear fruit. And so like it says in Psalms, every month bearing fruit, bearing fruit in its seasons, right? Bearing fruit in its seasons, right? That's, that's Psalms, right? Bearing fruit in its seasons. And then he seeks 47, it says what? Bearing fruit every month in its every month and then in uh, millennial kingdom it's bearing fruit every day whenever you need so we bear fruit every month and so the more fruit you have you keep taking that fruit and so actually every month we should have this kind of thanksgiving thanksgiving for the harvest but look whenever there was revival they would always have this kind of fruit oh I wanted to go to Guatemala but but uh, there's so much obstacles but when there was revival in Guatemala the, the, the carrot was the size of my arm it was great the fruit the, 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 the produce of the land was very great right a pumpkin was three tons and so the produce is abundant and then so continuing and so for this reason whatever you ask the father in my name he may give it to you and so in this relationship clear evidence of this fruit is what is faith is the power of this prayer. And so that's the power that he's giving. And so there is no greater loss suffered than when you do not pray. All we should do is pray. Pray does everything. Prayer solves everything. Then you don't need to complain. You don't need to fall into despair. You don't need to fear. All you have to do is ask in his name. And so why have we been able to come here? It's because of the grace of God answering our prayers. Amen? It's already 6.35. Okay, so let us pray. Let us pray. I'm thankful. I'm truly thankful on this Thanksgiving. For the past 25 years, the more I reflect, I'm thankful. Even for just this past year, I'm so grateful. Really, we've had conference almost every month. We did so many conference this year. I want to rest next year. 
I need to rest a little bit, maybe just three months, because because I really need to integrate the the, the eschatology, so that we can move according to that schedule. Anyways, and so and so let's sing this song, this song of of unlimited grace, and then pray. And so, what is the anointing today? Is I abide in you, you abide in me. This is a word that we know really well, but let's not just know it, but let us embody it. Amen. That this is a great um, privilege, this amazing relationship. I abide in you, and you abide in me. So this is what I'm always referring to when I'm praying two o'clock in the morning. Am I in the Holy Spirit? Am I living with the Holy Spirit? Is there evidence that I'm living with the Holy Spirit? This must be checked in your spiritual life as well. Our life is simple. But you need to check yourself whether you are living in the Holy Spirit or not. If you are just simply attending church, just living a religious life, that is dangerous. We must live by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Getting sharper, more stronger, more holy. And at all times, being ready to meet with God in glory. Amen? It's an important season that is upon us. Do not waste this time. Let us live by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you. In 2023, this Thanksgiving Day, we believe that you have received this offering. And in this remaining time, as we spend the remainder of this year, that we will prepare to meet with you in glory. As today's word says, that we will be able to offer you fruit at any time. And now upon this season where we enter into glorification, may everyone, everyone enter into this glorious fellowship bearing much fruit. Up until now, all this victory will not be anything in compared to the victory that is in store for us. And so, Lord, in these end times, may this remnant continue to bring about more greater works. And Lord, bless this community more, sanctify this community more, that more and more of your things would be poured out, that they would be able to uphold this ministry of the remnant according to your will. And today, this offering that is offered, I give it in thanks. May it be pleasing to you. And may you expand the material authority in this community. Through uh, this community, you have done great things. And now, Lord, may even greater works be done. That in these latter times, that as we prepare, as Joseph prepared the, for the seven years of famine, may, may the abundance be built up to send out to the remnant all over the world. Be pleased by today's offering, and may you rest your blessing upon it. And now, by grace of Jesus Christ, through the head of the church, and through the holy love of the Father, the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit. To the saints who truly offer up thanksgiving for this year upon their family, upon their inheritance, upon their workplace, upon their school, upon Zoe ministry, upon the mission field all over the world, and upon Yorban Church, may this blessing rest now and forevermore.